Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, we are watching this video from Hashem Al-Ghali, available on YouTube or over at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right back into this video. Right now, we are talking about uh, 15 million uh, babies a year are born prematurely, and one million of those uh, don't make it. And so this gentleman is now uh, explaining these statistics. Let's get back into this video, and I will continue to break it down. The minimum number of weeks in which a developing fetus must stay in the womb is 24 weeks. If the fetus is born before that, the survival rate will go down. Okay, so I know he sounds a little bit like a foreign version of David Copperfield or something, standing up on the stage and explaining the magic trick he's about to do. If the number drops before 24 weeks, then I will disappear. No, so he's saying that um, the baby has to stay inside the mom for up to 24 weeks, then it has a higher chance of surviving outside of the womb. But if it's below the 24 weeks, its chances of survival drop significantly. That is true. Even if the fetus survives, it will likely to experience lung issues and long-term neurological damage. Although baby incubators exist and they increase the chances of survival, they have their own limitation. If the fetus is born before 22 weeks, incubators are not likely to work okay so now what they've done is they're taking this small percentage of babies again if this has happened to you i i pray for you and i i'm not looking to offend you but what they're saying is that 
if the babies are born before 22 weeks, even a modern incubator generally is not going to work. So you're dealing with a very small percentage of babies. Just again, keep in mind, these guys aren't building the technology for the master purpose of saving those babies. They're doing it and those babies are actually the test cases, the guinea pigs, just like with the Neuralink brain chip. They're not actually building that to cure paralysis. <laughs> Excuse me, but the people with paralysis are the guinea pigs for the testing on the technology that's eventually going to be used to augment human brains. And in this case, um, they are using the... Um, premature babies as test cases as guinea pigs to test the technology that eventually is going to be used to breed and grow children in laboratories all right let's continue the artificial womb is an advanced version of baby incubators and it promises to make the problem of premature births obsolete okay so that is their pitch all right their pitch is let us build this don't worry we're not going to do anything crazy with it we just want to make the problem of the one million premature uh, baby deaths a year obsolete we want to get rid of that that's their pitch so if we are the collective investors or we are the customers of this possible technology that's the pitch to us don't worry it's not creepy it's not matrix like don't think about the fact that we can breed babies in a laboratory without the need for mom and dad. This is to solve the situation of one million babies dying a year from premature birth. But how does it work? And by the way, folks, fantastic graphics on this. You should definitely check it out either at pain.tv slash gold or over at this gentleman's YouTube channel. In terms of design, the artificial womb consists of the growth chamber, which hosts the fetus. It okay, so the growth chamber is basically like a ball that the baby sits inside of. It's the same environment provided by the mother's uterus. It is the incubation chamber that provides the optimal temperature and humidity for the growth of the fetus. There is another container which provides the fetus with the constant stream of blood that is rich of oxygen until the moment of birth. Okay, so that's basically like the uh, synthetic umbilical cord. The artificial womb is filled with the amniotic fluid which is the liquid that surrounds the fetus inside the mother's uterus. This liquid is rich of the essential nutrients that are needed to sustain the unborn fetus inside the womb. The growth chamber also features advanced sensors coupled with artificial intelligence. These sensors monitor the fetus's vital signs during the development process, which include breathing and heartbeat. Okay, so basically you're seeing the baby. This is sort of in a sketch drawing form. Very nice, by the way. And so the baby is inside of this uh, chamber, inside of this plastic um, uterus. 
And in this drawing, it has some cables hooked up to it. Uh, the sensors, as he says, are monitored by artificial intelligence. I read a little bit about this. Uh, yes, the information he pulls is accurate as far as uh, from the uh, sort of white papers on this coming technology. And so the baby's inside the uterus surrounded by the uh, amniotic fluid. It's got this synthetic umbilical cord. And then there's different... Uh, sensors hooked up to the baby it's it's very matrix like very matrix like with the hoses for instance and so now the baby is inside of this synthetic womb the artificial womb also features a screen which displays real-time data on the development progress of the fetus inside this growth pod the fetus is kept for nine months until a full course of development is reached Okay, so then on the front of it, as I mentioned earlier, it's basically like an iPad, and it has all of the uh, sort of analytics they're collecting, all the data they're collecting uh, on the baby so that they can monitor its growth inside of the artificial womb. And now, and now basically looks like uh, it's from a perspective of a drone they're showing flying down a hallway with the robot nannies, the artificial wombs on the sides of this hallway. It looks very much like we're doing a, uh, a tour through Starship Enterprise or something like that. The concept of growing babies inside an artificial environment is called ectogenesis. Ecto means outside and genesis means formation. Okay, and that's great. And that's why I waited to show this video until the end of the three parts uh, that we already discussed because now you know about ectogenesis and that's why I spent the time. Now, as you know, ectogenesis was a term coined by J.B.S. Haldane in 1924, a British scientist, very complicated past. I won't get into him here. But so ectogenesis is growing the baby outside of the mother's body and it isn't really new the history of the artificial womb dates back to the early 1950s and so he'll talk about the artificial room womb going back to the 1950s but we know the term ectogenesis goes back to 1924 the first design of the artificial womb was patented by emmanuel greenberg back in 1955 he developed the concept with the hope of helping premature babies to continue developing after their birth. Back then, baby incubators already existed, so no one really moved forward to building the prototype of the artificial womb. Okay, so that's a little history on the uh, incubator, of which I myself personally have not dug into the history of that or this Dr. Greenberg who developed that. That would be an interesting deep dive, but it, it, right now it's, it's something that I just don't have the time or desire to do, but eventually someone may want to dig into that and feel free to send me information on that on Twitter at Hackable Animal or at Dustin Gold Show or inside of Telegram at Dustin Gold Show. And then the group is, I believe, at the Gold Pillars, or you can do that over at pain.tv slash gold. Send me some information. And um, if you break it down in a clear, concise manner, I will cover it here on the show. In the 1990s, researchers at Tokyo University's medical department tested the artificial womb to see if it actually works. 
Okay, so this we have not covered. This is new information. And so you're going to see, um, I believe they ran these experiments on goats. And then they'll talk a little bit about the experiment we did cover, which was on the sheep. They removed a goat fetus from its mother by C-section. Then they placed it in a rubber womb filled with artificial amniotic fluid. And the little guy was delivered 17 days later. In 2002, scientists built mini artificial wombs using cells extracted from the uterus itself. These lab-made wombs allowed embryos to attach themselves to their walls, just like the natural process. Even though the embryos began to grow and develop, they were terminated five days later due to ethical concerns. Okay, so they terminated the embryos that started to grow inside of this artificial uterus that they built off of cell tissue they took from a uterus. Now, just ask yourself as we're going through this. I know it sounds all very, you know, science fictionish, and and that's okay. I mean, it's not. It's real. This is what they're doing. And so again, you go to the doctor and they just offer you this kind of technology through a quick marketing pitch, and you might say, "Okay, I'll get on board with this." But just ask yourself, do you believe? And I don't have the answer to this, but do you believe that the hacking and hijacking and pirating of um you know human life and the the process of uh fertilization and birth and such i I would do you agree with this is there a line somewhere in the sand that should be drawn at what point do you say no to this uh would you get on board with this i mean think about these things okay let's continue In 2017, scientists from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia managed to use a primitive design of the artificial womb, where they placed a premature lamp fetus. After keeping the lamp fetus for four weeks inside the artificial womb, it started growing a wool coat, gained weight, and even opened its eyes. Okay, and we covered that. We showed you that, uh, I think it was like a seven-minute video on that experiment. Now, in the end, they actually killed them uh, once they survived so that they could study them. Now, ask yourself, is that going to happen with these babies? Are they going to kill these human babies? Remember, we looked at the Israeli doctor who said uh, he doesn't have to worry about any ethical limitations when he's playing with Uh, tissues or collections of tissues inside of his laboratory well if they grow babies inside of a laboratory without mom or dad do they have any ethical limitations there i mean myself personally you'd have to know these guys on an individual level but many of them i think uh ideologically as atheists probably don't probably don't have any ethical concerns about any of this they would like to see all limitations removed i'm not saying all of them but many of them researchers went on to test their design of the artificial womb with more lamps and their experiments were successful as of today the real artificial womb is no more than just a plastic bag filled with amniotic fluid It doesn't look like much, but it serves its purpose, allowing premature fetuses to continue developing outside the mother's uterus. 
Even though the primary goal of the artificial womb is to sustain premature babies, it could... Okay, the primary goal is to sustain premature babies. That is not necessarily the primary goal. That is the pitch. That is the pitch to put this out into the lexicon and get people to adopt it, to normalize it, to humanize it. But I would say the primary goal is going to be to grow babies in a lab without mom or dad that are owned by governments and or corporations. Actually be used to create the perfect human being. By engineering a human being from scratch, we can redesign ourselves to be more resistant to diseases and to achieve more intelligence and better looks. So what he's talking about now is this concept of designer babies, as they call it. And we'll be getting into this momentarily. But this is also what some uh, refer to as eugenics, folks. Eugenics. Engineering the supreme being. And babies who are born in such a way are called designer babies or designer humans. Because they have been customized and designed by another human being before their birth. To create the perfect designer baby from scratch, you don't need something sophisticated actually. All you need is just a skin cell. All right, folks, and then he has a part two to this series called The Grid, which is designer babies, and eventually we'll get back to that. Maybe tomorrow or the episode after that, I will show you it because he does do a very good job of breaking this down, and it helps further explain what we have talked about here in more of uh, an open dialogue here. So, ladies and gentlemen, think about that. Let that set in. When we get back, we're going to delve into designer babies. I'm going to show you one of the companies that is actually working on that technology and one of the investors in that company who you probably already heard of and i will show you quickly some of the connections she has to some of the people that we would not consider to be our friends ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Unraveling the tangled web of Frankenstein doctors and their technocratic technologies. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, the transhumanist slayer, right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. And you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. All right, folks. So what we are going to do here. And uh, I'm going to try not to 
go too deep into some of this stuff because we can literally just get lost in these rabbit holes. But I want to talk a little bit about designer babies, which will lead us into just a quick overview of CRISPR-Cas9 uh, gene editing technology. And then I have a geneticist I know who I'd love to get on the show, and I'm trying to work that out. I've known him for a couple of years. He agrees with some of this technology, but he does have a line in the sand, so it would be a very interesting conversation. Of course, he has worked for governments and such, so he has to be careful about what he says. But if I can get him on, we can go deep into CRISPR-Cas9 because he knows all about that technology, and he can teach us a lot more than what we could get from just analyzing articles and speeches and such. So hopefully that will happen at some point. But right now, I am over at scientificamerican.com. And this is an article uh, by Laura Hercher written on July 12th, 2021. So a little more than a year ago. And this article is, A New Era of Designer Babies May Be Based on Overhyped Science. Genetic testing with IVF, we'll get into that, intravenous, is being marketed as a means to choose a healthy embryo, despite questions about the soundness of the technology. And you'll see, just stick with me, folks. I've got to get through a couple of paragraphs on this. You're going to learn something if you don't know about this already. It's just going to add to your arsenal of intelligence on these subjects. And so it says right here, for better or worse, genetic testing of embryos offers a potential gateway into a new era of human control over reproduction. Couples at risk of having a child with a severe or life-limiting disease, such as cystic fibrosis or Duchenne muscular dystrophy, have used pre-implantation genetic testing, that's a PGT, pre-implantation genetic testing for decades to select among embryos created through uh, in vitro fertilization. So in vitro fertilization, IVF, for those that do not carry the disease-causing gene. But what new iteration of genetic testing could tempt healthy, fertile couples to reject our traditional time-tested and widely popular process of baby-making in favor of hormone shots, egg extractions, and DNA analysis. Now, there's a couple reasons why we're getting into this, all right? First off, you have now the ability to, in a sense, create a designer baby. Again, this technology is in adoption phase. So they're selling it, as you'll see shortly, that if you are predisposed to, say, heart disease in your family history, then you could basically have that genetically modified out of the possible DNA that your child will inherit. Uh, We'll get into the details of this. And so, again, it's, okay, who wouldn't want that? So now at the dinner table, you've got your uh, cousin and her husband sitting there, and they're telling you they're doing this, and you go, I don't know, it sounds weird. Well, you know, Grandpa had heart disease, and I don't want my kid to have heart disease. So now it's playing to emotion and, uh, you know, human emotion tugging at the heartstrings, and so it's hard to argue with it. So this is at sort of the adoption phase right now. 
again, ask yourself if they're developing this type of technology because they want to help you save your baby uh, from future heart disease. But see, where I'm going with this is when you combine all of these technologies, CRISPR-Cas9, the ability now to screen for all these diseases and such, and then modify the genes, uh, what happens now in the next phase when they say, well, we can actually build you the perfect baby you could pick from the catalog? Do you want it to have size nine feet? Oh, you like it to have uh, really strong knees? Uh, and such broad shoulders and then they say well now we can take the burden off of you just give us a tissue sample and we will build that baby in a petri dish and then grow it inside a synthetic womb and so as we move through this over the next several episodes you'll start to see a lot of the investors involved in one of these technologies is involved in another technology and you could see the eventual merger of going on an app you know, Amazon.com slash kid, prime children, Amazon prime children. And you'll be able to literally pick and choose and build your child in an augmented reality uh, world. You put on your augmented reality headset and then you'll have the little baby laying in uh, a crib that you have in your room and then you'll see the baby and you can pick and choose the hair and the eyes and everything and then order it you just send in a tissue sample uh, via nose swab in the back of your head like a covid test a covid home test mail that in to uh, i don't like a 23 and me and they'll just grow the baby inside the synthetic womb for you and then have like a, a drone stork like a stork that looks like a drone will come and drop it off on your front porch in a little cloth sack or something now i mean this is where we are going with this now that is just a scenario in which i create sort of a vision of the future but at the same time i don't actually believe that will happen because i don't believe the goal of any of this is to deliver you a designer baby i believe they're utilizing us the real people tugging at our heartstrings playing to our emotions to then be able to build this technology you know create the problem provoke the reaction, offer the solution, build the technology, because they're going to be building an army of lab-grown children for whatever purpose. I don't know yet. Maybe to turn into batteries, maybe to turn into DNA storage hard drives, maybe to turn into super soldiers like Agent Smith in the Matrix, who's going to come hunt down any of us who choose to live outside the system. I mean, who really knows? I just know it's not about delivering you a healthy baby, because I don't believe these people love us, nor do I believe they have to come up with these type of technologies in order to make a profit. These are the same people that control the spreadsheets on wealth. They can just add zeros to their spreadsheet and they have more money. They don't need to create complicated schemes like this. They are actually bringing forward you know, Nazi Operation Paperclip technologies. I don't believe any of that ever stopped. Uh, Maybe the people in charge of it changed, but I don't believe the eugenics programs have ever stopped. Let's continue with this article. A California-based startup called Orchid Biosciences claims it has an answer to that question. The 
and remember what the question was, but what new iteration of genetic testing could tempt healthy, fertile couples to reject our traditional time-tested and widely popular process of baby-making? We know what that is, folks. This is a G-rated show. We're not going to get into that. In favor of hormone shots, egg extractions, and DNA analysis. So it's asking, you know, what's going to get people to give up the birds and the bees for the lab-grown meat, basically, the 3D-printed child. And so this company, Orchid Biosciences, answers the question. The company, Orchid, offers prospective parents genetic testing prior to conception to calculate risk scores, estimating their own likelihood of confronting common illnesses such as heart disease, diabetes, and schizophrenia, and the likelihood that they will pass such risks along to a future child. Parents-to-be can use IVF, remember that's in vitro fertilization, along with ORCID's upcoming embryo screening package to identify the healthiest of their embryos for a pregnancy. So now they're going to screen you uh, for likelihood of you know heart disease, diabetes, schizophrenia, and stuff, and then the likelihood that you're going to pass that on to your unborn child. Okay, so now again, who's actually making the baby? Is it you and your partner, or is it these lab rats uh, owned by people like Peter Thiel and such? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We will get to that, folks. It goes on to say, Orchid aims to use PGT and IVF to expand what is already a thriving marketplace in screening tests for prospective parents initially the only people offered tests to prevent genetic disease in the next generation were those whose ancestry put them at higher risk for a specific condition such as tay disease in the Ashkenazi jewish population the first genetic screen intended for universal use and covering a wide range of diseases was introduced by Council, now part of Marriott Genetics, in 2010. Today, carrier screening is a $1.7 billion industry. These tests search for genetic problems that otherwise come to light only after the birth of an affected child. So you understand, so they're basically doing a pre-screening on your child before it actually is even fertilized to decide what possible diseases that you carry uh, that you can pass on to your child. And if you don't know this, folks, you are evil. You need to give it up, folks. You need to get in line for the screening. goes on to say, but diseases caused by a single gene are rare. Most children are born healthy, and most couples who do carry your screening come away reassured. All right, folks, so absorb that because when we get back into this, I got to walk you through some of the nuts and bolts of this, and then we'll start to look at who is behind this, and then we can get into the CRISPR-Cas9. I can tell you a little bit about what I learned from the geneticist, and then that will move us right through to what the military is doing because at the end of the day, the military can do no wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 